If you had asked me before my Lamb diagnosis, I would have told you that I was a healthy person. And I would have said, I'm living a healthy life. There isn't disease in my family. This is something that I don't have to worry about and I'm doing great. What was so interesting is that the signs couldn't have been clearer that I wasn't. I was heavier, my energy wasn't great. I had a lot of digestive problems and I'd faced infertility. But I just thought that was the way life was. I had had a lot of pain, and it felt almost like this boa constrictor was around my midsection, squeezing my rib cage. And so I went to the doctor, and he said, you know, I'm worried that maybe you have a blood clot in your lung. I want to go get a CT scan. And they did the scan, and on our way back to our house, I got a call from the doctor, and he said, you need to come in right away. And I said, oh, is it a blood clot in my lung? And he said, no. And I said, oh, great. And he said, no, you need to come in right away. We got into the office, and he actually said to me, because he knew we were trying to conceive, he said, you know, life as you know it is about to change considerably. We think you have this rare lung disease, and we got to confirm this diagnosis right away because it's going to impact and change your life. And that's when I read in the literature he handed me that it was ill-advised to have children for two reasons. One was it would accelerate the destruction of your lungs, but the second was because of the limited life expectancy of the mother. And that was terrifying because I thought, oh my God, if they have this in writing, it has to mean that you just aren't going to make it. And everything just got dark and I really shut down. I think he would have been better off saying... We noticed something strange in your CT scan. It's in your lungs. It looks like cysts, but we want to get you to a pulmonologist to really evaluate it and confirm. You don't give someone what looked to be like a death sentence when you're not sure that they have that disease. And he also should have known enough to know that with rare diseases, there's not one answer and there's not one path and progression. LAM stands for lymphangiomyelomyomatosis. It's a very, very long name. And it's a chronic lung disease that affects women in their reproductive years. And it affects them roughly in their 30s. And the way they believe it acts now is a bit like an estrogen-receptive cancer. For some reason, the tissue in your lungs becomes receptive to estrogen. And as a result of estrogen, you grow these cysts. And over time, the cysts destroy the integrity of your lungs. So you have things like collapsed lungs, asthma, trouble breathing. And over time, if you have enough cysts in your lungs, they obscure your ability to breathe. When you're pregnant, you have higher levels than normal of estrogen. And so what that would mean is it would accelerate my demise, basically. So by giving birth to something and creating life, I would be more quickly ending mine. So there I am, a, a woman who's been in marketing for like the last six years working in ultra-rare diseases. And to then get the diagnosis of one of those myself was sort of astonishing, but it also was amazingly helpful to be in that field because I knew right away I had to find someone who saw a lot of patients with this disease. I wasn't going to be someone's guinea pig. So I found a center in Cincinnati that specialized in it. They referred me to a doctor in Boston who had tons of patients. Well, tons was like 10 for the disease. And at that point, I put myself in their hands, and she said, you need to do a lung biopsy to confirm this. So they put me in the hospital, collapsed a lung, did the biopsy, and then I remember 
coming out and then waiting for her to tell me what it was. And my husband and I were in the room together and she came in and just, she was wonderfully compassionate, but also really able to cut to the chase and be honest with you. And she said, Sue, you have lamb. I'm really sorry. And we can talk about your future. I know you want to have children and I will support you if you choose to become pregnant, but I really, really don't recommend it. My husband and I left and we went home and we live in a loft with a lot of open space, but there's one room that has kind of lower ceilings and is really cozy. And I remember sitting in that room and there I am trying to recover from the lung surgery and trying to wrestle with the fact that I do have this and I can't outrun it. And my mind went to worst case scenario. My husband was already wrestling with his own things around it and I didn't want to talk to him anymore about it and I didn't want anyone to cheer me up about it or tell me to look on the bright side. I just wanted to go to that really bad, dark place and wallow in it. And there were points where I thought, am I going to get out of here? And is the person that gets out of here going to be the same? You know, and that for me was the largest fear because I thought, oh my God, it's going to change me and I'm going to be a dark, miserable person. And I didn't have the perspective and the understanding yet to say, you know what, it will change you, but you choose hope or you choose despair. And you can have despair at times, but the path you choose, you decide where you want to go. For me in the beginning, I needed to live in the worst case scenario. And I needed to go to that dark place and really wrestle with it. And the problem I found was that my family and the people closest to me didn't want to go to the dark place and they didn't want me going to the dark place. So there I am on the train all alone holding my ticket. Even now I still feel like that's the hardest part of all of this. You're surrounded by so much love and help, but you can feel so alone. I used to really wish that my disease wasn't so uncertain. And I kept trying to say, like, how long do I have? How long do I have? Can you tell me what's going to happen? And no one could tell me that, which was so frustrating because I thought, how do I fight this? I was really upset that I didn't have that option. You know, I felt really like I was passive and a victim and I had to just wait and see. And there was absolute disbelief and absolute anger. Like, why me? Why is this happening? What did I do? And you blame yourself. And I was a pretty spiritual person. I believed in God. I was brought up kind of religiously in the Jewish faith. And this just defied any sense of how I thought the world should go. And I was angry that there was a God like that doing this to me and my family and all the other people out there. And I went to go see my rabbi. And was talking to him about everything and he said well wait a second Sue who is God what is God to you and you know I described it as the man with the staff and the beard and pointing a finger and judging and and he laughed and he said you know Sue God isn't Santa Claus you know God is not a man God is the good in things if you don't want to use the word God think about it like the universe is the good in things and it exists in you it exists in nature it exists out there and your job when you live here is to release the good in things the other thing that I thought was really cool is the rabbi had said to me because I said what do you think happens when you die is there a heaven and what is it like and I don't you know because I became obsessed with like if I'm gonna die where am I gonna go and how's it gonna play out and I remember he said to me 
well, what would heaven be like for you? What do you want it to be? And I remember I thought, well, it's going to be the people that I love, and it's going to be people spending time together, helping each other, and just full of a lot of laughter and love. And he said, okay, well, what's stopping you now? Make your own heaven on earth. And that got me to look at everything and say, you know what? I'm in a job I hate. (laughs) I'm burning out. This isn't fulfilling. I need to change. And I thought, no one has the answer for me medically. I'm going to find it myself. How do I create peace and feel really good with how I'm eating and how I'm living in a way that's just truer to my authentic self and who I am and what I want to be doing? I knew I wanted to enroll in nutrition. And I went to school to study nutrition, and I kept tinkering with myself. I was a guinea pig, and I'd try this out, try that. I'll let me crowd in these foods, take out these foods. And the transformation was amazing in that maybe it was a combination of getting out of something I was not interested in, focusing on something I was incredibly passionate about, and also helping myself and giving myself the time and the energy to really heal. My goal was less about preventing something from happening and more about how do I want to feel each day when my head hits that pillow. And what I found was that I loved how I felt. My energy was really good. I lost 35 pounds. My digestive problems stopped and I didn't need to be on any medications. My allergies went away. And I felt like I was just breathing and living better. And it was so awesome to go for my lung tests and see my lungs holding steady instead of declining. I talk to my husband about it now. Every time I have to go every year, it's pretty anxiety-provoking. And I think, what am I going to do if I get a bad lung number? And what I think is, that's okay. And who knows what the future brings, but I'm living and enjoying life on my terms. It's called savory living. The wake-up call of getting this disease allowed me to say, you know, if I die tomorrow, how do I feel about that? I was spending so much of my life thinking about, I'll do that later. You know, that will come in those years. Right now I'm going to do this. And I would force myself physically, I think, to keep up a pace and to live a life that really wasn't in keeping with what I wanted to be doing. What is so interesting now is that I realize it's not about fighting. It's about loving the part of me that just doesn't working the way that it should and figuring out how to hold it and nourish it and give it the best chance of working well within me. I stopped being angry at my lamb and I stopped hiding it from everybody. And it was like the moment I did that and I was able to say, I have this disease, it's a part of me. I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to see where it takes me. I am so thankful for the lamb. I shudder to think how I would be living if I didn't get this diagnosis, which is the craziest thing to say because it's not a good disease to have. But what I found is I'm not on autopilot. It got me to say, what do I want life to be while I'm blessed enough to be here? 
And I'm going to go after it. And it got me eating better, feeling better, having better relationships, letting go of the people I needed to let go of so long ago, but was afraid to. I don't care about the stuff I used to care about. And every once in a while, I'm going to get wrapped up in something. I just sort of go, all right, that's crazy. Come on, Sue. And I also, like, I love who I am now. Failing body parts, great body parts, like... I have more courage and determination and love in me than I ever thought I knew. And it just burst out 